From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. for joining us for another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak. Today we continue a series of studies on the doctrine of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. We'll be hearing from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy a devotional thought from the pen of Charles Haddon Spurgeon, found in his collection called Faith's Checkbook. Today's devotional is entitled, Past Deliverance Begets Faith. The text is found in 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 37. David said, moreover, The Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. This is not a promise if we consider only the words, but it is truly so as to its sense. For David spoke a word which the Lord endorsed by making it true. He argued from past deliverances that he should receive help in a new danger. In Jesus all the promises are yea and amen to the glory of God by us, and so the Lord's former dealings with his believing people will be repeated. Come then, let us recall the Lord's former loving kindnesses. We could not have hoped to be delivered aforetime by our own strength, yet the Lord delivered us. Will he not again save us? We are sure he will. As David ran to meet his foe, so will we. The Lord has been with us, he is with us, and he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Why do we tremble? Was the past a dream? Think of the dead bear and lion. Who is this Philistine? True, he is not quite the same, and is neither bear nor lion. But then God is the same, and his honor is as much concerned in the one case as in the other. He did not save us from the beasts of the forest to let a giant kill us. Let us be of good courage.
As believers in Jesus Christ seek to witness to the unsaved, they are frequently met by a variety of questions. These might include such queries as, Why did Christ have to be God? Did God create evil? Or how do we know that the Bible is the Word of God? Dr. Cairns answers these and many other questions on a DVD presentation called Q&A with Alan Cairns. In all, Dr. Cairns responded to over 50 such concerns. We're happy to be able to provide you free of charge a DVD containing all of these video portions, about five hours of guidance from God's Word for problems which face the 21st century Christian. You may have a copy simply by requesting it. Just ask for the DVD, Q&A with Alan Cairns. You may email us at info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. You may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. If you wish, you may write us at Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Here's an excellent way to provide scriptural answers to family and friends regarding the challenging questions facing believers in this day. As he continues this series on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, Dr. Cairns is bringing a message entitled, The Spirit of Promise. The texts are found in John chapter 7, Acts chapter 1, and Acts chapter 2. In addressing this subject, Dr. Cairns has been emphasizing that there is a difference in the work of the Holy Spirit before Pentecost and after Pentecost. Although it is true that the Spirit empowered individuals in the Old Testament— The real fullness of the Spirit had to wait until Christ had finished His work on the cross and was glorified. As we'll see, this work of the Holy Spirit is the distinctive mark of the New Testament church. Now Dr. Cairns continues this message, The Spirit of Promise. Now let's look at the basic text in John 7 and remark first and foremost that there is a marked difference in the work of the Holy Spirit before Pentecost and after Pentecost. We have read of the promise 
of the Spirit. That they that believe in Christ would receive. And then we have this statement, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given. The word given is italicized because there is no word corresponding to it in the original. It's a very good insertion by our translators. It's as good as any you'll get. But it is simply saying the Holy Spirit was not. Because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now this is a statement that raises some deep theology and a very important question as to the relation of the Holy Spirit to the saints of God before the Lord Jesus was glorified. In other words, the person and work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. And uh, without going into very great detail, let me give you something to think about. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13, the apostle quotes the psalmist in Psalm 116, and he says, We, having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believe, therefore have I spoken, we also believe and therefore speak. Now I want you to get this importance, not, I'm not dealing with the quotation, but with the preamble to it. We, says Paul, have the same spirit of fear as the Old Testament writer of Scripture. Now let's get this very clearly there. We are being told that in the Old Testament, David had the spirit of fear. Not only so, but he, has the, he had the same spirit as Paul had. So that it begins to look a little strange to deny a real regenerating work of the Holy Spirit in Old Testament believers. Let me state the position very broadly. It's not a theology class, so I'm only going to do it broadly. Here I'm delighted to give almost a quotation from a great Lutheran theologian of some time ago. When he said, there is no other grace and there is no other faith by which men were saved in the Old Testament than that grace and that faith by which men are saved in the New Testament. That is a principle of biblical doctrine that I think we have got to get a handle on. Otherwise we will make shipwreck of what the Bible is teaching. The covenant of grace is the only ground upon which God has ever dealt for salvation with fallen men. There is no other ground but grace upon which man can be saved. Grace flows to us on no other merit but the merit of the obedience and bloodshedding of Jesus Christ. There is no other way to God. There never has been and there never will be any other way for a sinner to travel than the way of the cross that leads home. Galatians 3, 
19. And I'm only going to give you now the very brief exposition of it. I am not going to get into it this morning for it is one of the most difficult and deep verses in the Bible. But Galatians 3 will teach you that it is the same mediator that God dealt through under the Mosaic economy as he now uses to deal with men in this New Testament period. There never has been any other mediator but the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 3. I said I wouldn't preach on it and neither I will. But let me explain it to you in the simplest possible way. Wherefore then serveth the law? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now a, literally the mediator, is not a mediator of one, but God is one. I dare say that's a verse that perplexes you. Some people want to make it say, well, uh, you can't have a mediator unless you have two parties. Well, I don't really think God the Holy Spirit talks such trivial nonsense. I mean, even a child would know you don't need a mediator if you've only got one partner. You don't need a mediator with yourself. Even a child would know you can't have a go-between unless you have two people at least to go between. Surely that's not what the Holy Ghost was saying. What he is saying. The mediator is not the mediator of one, either of the promise or of the law, the Mosaic economy. But God is one with the idea of the same, one and the same under both. The mediator is one and the same because God is one and the same throughout all the ages. The covenant of grace is essentially and substantially the same in all dispensations. For example, the Old Testament saints were justified. You would hardly think that to hear some people preach. They were justified. You read Romans 4. You read Galatians 3. The Old Testament saints were justified. Not only so, they were justified on the very same grounds as you and I are justified. Not only so, they were justified in the very same way, by faith in Jesus Christ, that you and I are justified. And not only so, let's get this, far from they partaking of our blessing, Paul turns it the other way around and he says, we are blessed with Abraham. We partake of his blessing. So they were justified. Ah, but let's stop for a minute. In 1 Corinthians 11, we learn something. When a man is justified, he is justified by the action of God, the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6 and 11. No man can exercise faith without the work of the Spirit of faith. No man can be justified apart from the working of God the Holy Spirit. And therefore if Abraham and David and the rest of them were justified, 
we have the categorical assurance that the Holy Spirit was in those Old Testament believers. They enjoyed great grace and great fullness in the Holy Spirit. But still there is a vital difference between the Old Testament and the New. We say that they were not indwelt by the Spirit. Now what does that mean? What does it mean when it says the Spirit was not? Well, it doesn't mean he didn't exist, for he's the eternal Spirit. It does not mean that he was not present with them, because he's the omnipresent Spirit. It shouldn't be understood uh, as a total absence of the working of the Holy Spirit. I have proved that. But what it does mean is that in the New Testament, following the exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ, there is a peculiar and blessed fullness of the working of the Spirit of God that could not take place until Christ had ascended to the Father's right hand. I'm not going to rehash old stuff. I preached some time ago on what it meant to be indwelt by the Spirit. It speaks of a relation to Christ. It speaks of a revelation of Christ to us in all his fullness. And it speaks of an inherent basis of power within us to declare him in all his fullness. Now the Holy Spirit certainly worked in the Old Testament saints and they had a relation to Christ. They were saved and secured through him. But they certainly didn't enjoy the full revelation of Christ. That awaited his coming. When the fullness of the time was come. Thank God that time has come. All the Old Testament saints lacked the full light of that revelation. Let me notice, secondly, that this work of the Holy Ghost, this relation and revelation and this power within us, this work of the Holy Ghost is now the distinctive mark of the New Testament church. Look at the words of Christ. He that believeth in me, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. That's a tremendous text of Scripture. It is, according to the next verse, a promise of the Spirit. You know, it's a grieving thing, especially for fundamentalists, a grieving thing, that we say we believe this Bible. We are so strict. Thank God for that strictness. On so many points of doctrine, Indeed, one of the faults with fundamental churches is that they're willing to break off fellowship with other fundamentalists over little points of interpretation, not even major doctrines. And yet, with all this supposed adherence to Scripture, there is peculiarly little emphasis on and experience of the power of the promised Holy Ghost. The Lord Jesus gave a promise that would distinctively mark the whole New Testament church. And he promised in effect that he would usher in, as soon as he got to the right hand of God, he would usher in an age that Paul called the ministration of the Spirit. He would usher in a period when the Holy Ghost would flow like mighty rivers in all his fullness. Now that is the promise of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
The source of the promise is Christ glorified. If Christ is risen, if Christ is glorified, then the Spirit must flow like rivers. A symbol of abundant fullness. Do we believe that Christ is risen? Do we not believe that he's seated at the right hand of God? How then can we stop short of believing that while Christ is glorified, the Holy Spirit of God should come in mighty fullness flowing through the church? Yet God's church is living in a wilderness, living in a desert land, with a spiritual dearth and deadness that parallels almost anything that has gone before in the history of the church. Why should it be? Christ is the source. You will see how our translators understand this verse. He that believeth in me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. I take that, to be quite honest, to be the basic meaning of the text as it stands. But there is an interesting thing here. One great scholar pointed out what many of them agree on, that the first line of verse 38 really belongs to verse 37. Verse 37 is saying, If any man thirst, he that believeth on me, let him come unto me and drink. In other words, if any man thirst, let him come to me. He that believes, let him come. That's the general idea. Now a new line. As the scripture has said, here's a promise from the Old Testament then, out of his belly, out of his fullness, as it were. Who is the person spoken of? One great commentator says the person is Christ. It's not speaking, he says, of the Spirit flowing out of believers. It's speaking of the Spirit flowing out of Christ because it says the believers will receive the Spirit. Well, be that as it may, the Lord Jesus was certainly making it clear, I am the source. And if I'm on the throne, you should have the Spirit. Not individually merely, but you should have the Spirit as the church of God flowing in rivers of fullness. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, founded by Dr. Alan Cairns. Let the Bible Speak is also heard in many parts of the world through the international radio outreach of Let the Bible Speak, produced in Northern Ireland. The Free Presbyterian Church stands without apology for the absolute inerrancy of the Bible, emphasizing preaching that centers on the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ and is militant in its stand against the ecumenical apostasy and the efforts of the world to infiltrate the Church. For further information about the Free Presbyterian Church, you may email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. You may call us at 864-244-2408. 
or you may write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Again, that's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Also, we encourage you to visit the website of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America at www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. (music) 